Welcome to Home of the Brave. I'm Scott Carrier. Before I left home to drive to the U.S.-Mexico border at Big Bend National Park, two friends told me, separately, to be careful, as if it's dangerous down there. And I tried to tell them it's only dangerous if you have brown skin and are walking north across the desert carrying drugs or a baby. There are border patrol everywhere and pickup trucks and at checkpoints, and their job is to protect people like me, a white man with an air-conditioned car, even though I am an habitual trespasser. If there's a line, I tend to cross it. So I'm on the U.S. side of the Rio Grande, um, inside Big Bend National Park at the Cottonwood Campground. The other side's only like 25 yards away, and I th I'm going to try to walk across it here. It's not even up to my knee in the middle of the Rio Grande. I'm in Mexico. Mexico side actually is greener than the U.S. side right here. It's like a horse pasture. A white horse up there. Well, that was easy. It's really weird to think that this is Mexico. In fact, I don't quite believe it. Over there on that side the U.S. And this is Mexico, a different country. I don't see anybody, I don't see any roads. Okay, now I'm going back to, the, I'm going to America. This guy is taking my photo, young girl. Hello. All right, Hi. it's good to be home. <laughs> feels great to be in America. I'm hungry. A hamburger or something. Yeah, right. How about some, how about some free medical hey. while you're at it? <laughs> Big Bend is one of the least visited national parks. There's a lot of open space and very little traffic. The park accommodations are sparse but pleasant. The rangers are friendly, eager to help. My name is Jeanette Hurador, and we're sitting here in Big Bend National Park. And you're, what's your job here at the park? I'm a park ranger and the public information officer. This park has such a raw, natural beauty to it. I mean, the vistas that you can see here. It's a little hazy today, so we're only seeing about 60 miles. On the good clear days of 150 miles of visibility. So there's these fantastic landscapes. And then the plants all have this really fascinating character. And then the animals that can make a living out here, you got to respect that. This place tends to attract the people that love that peace and quiet and just being, a, being away. So, I'm wondering about if in the park boundaries, if there's uh, migration, illegal migration going on. Is it a problem people coming across the border in the park? Yes, we do have illegal crossings that do happen in the park, but our Border Patrol agents that are stationed within the park routinely tell us that within the park boundaries, we have the least crossing numbers within the U.S.-Mexican boundary, or along the U.S.-Mexican border. So 
it does happen, but not nearly in the quantities that you'll find in other locations. Why do you think that they don't cross here so much in the park? A number of things that have been held up as to why this section of the border doesn't have the same crossing statistics as other locations is because of the natural barriers that are here. You think about the canyons, you think about miles of undeveloped desert, you think about access to springs and water sources, and this landscape is incredibly rugged. You think about today, it's in the middle of March, it's going to be about 100 degrees out there, and that's a shade temperature. So if you fast forward a couple of months and it's May and now it's 115 degree shade temperature, our bodies are pretty frail when it comes to exposure over long periods of time like that and just finding enough water to be able to survive with those kind of temperatures is quite difficult in the desert. From time to time we do have fatalities from people trying to walk across the desert here, both with tourists and with people coming across from Mexico. I don't hear about all the numbers of, of people who cross and come into the park and die because many of them are handled by the Border Patrol and not always by the National Park Rangers. When it comes to incidents with our visitors who come to the park, I know that we had four fatalities last year. Some were falling, um, some were heart attack, but every once in a while, usually about one or two per year are going to be from exposure. So, well, could you tell me your name? Bob. And where are you from? Chicago area. And what do you, and you're out here on vacation? Or? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I don't have a shirt on, but, um, all right, so, what do you think about the wall that's proposed? Well, I think they should do something like that. I don't know that they need a wall right here, because they talked about some areas they need a wall, some they need electronic surveillance and whatever, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a wall in every location. But I agree. I think the government knows how to deal with that. You know, they can figure out what's appropriate for the I place. I think so, yeah. yeah. Why do you think we need it? <laughs> Why do we think we need it? Yeah. So we get to, so we don't have uh, just uh, people wandering into this country illegally, primarily. And then the, I don't know how much it's going to stop the drugs for sure. I mean, that's always a problem. It may stop some of it. So I don't know. I, don't um, know. I just play devil's advocate. A lot of those people come into work. We need them cheap labor. I know we're getting, for hundreds a year, hundred years or whatever, we've been getting cheap labor, but as far as I'm concerned, we gotta, we just got to come in on a work visa and go back or whatever and not just come here and stay here without being a, going through the effort of being a citizen like other people do. Come here legally. Come here legally, yeah. I've got nothing against Mexican people becoming citizens. We're an immigrant nation. We're an immigrant nation, but they forget that, that somebody, I don't know who it was, Thomas Jefferson or one of them people, the framers of the Constitution said, uh, assimilate into society, learn the language, and be like we are. Not wear burkas and all this other bullshit, you know, and, and not get into enclaves that are all Mexican or down in, uh, down in uh, Miami where they're all Cuban, Cuban communities. They're not assimilating into society. Assimilation is a very difficult subject. It's politically loaded. It's a hard one to talk about. If maybe it's loaded but, to you. It's not loaded to me. Well, <laughs> um, okay, well, the basic problem is uh, which culture do you assimilate to? Just, and who gets to say which culture is the one? You know, it's like, it's a tricky problem because it's like, well, there's, you say, white 
Christian America, I bet. Right. So, okay. Yeah. So, but which church? Yeah, any I church. grew up among Mormons. I don't care. You want to let the Mormons say what the culture is? Yeah, I, I, the little bit I know about Mormons, I know they, they do some strange things and they have more than one wife and all that. But I see Mormons around, and you got uh, Romney, which was a Mormon, and they seem like they do the things we do. If they're, yeah, white, basically, well, you know what the rest, the most of the country is. What the most of the country is right now is what it should be, not, not. Women running around with burkas and not the Sharia law, which some of them that group wants, and uh, and not to, huh? The jihadi types, but yeah, there's not, yeah, not very many jihadi types in the U.S. And then if there is. It's hard to tell which ones are because you don't know what they're thinking. You yeah. don't know what someone's yeah, thinking. Well, it's a problem. It's a problem. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, when you go to places like I, mean, I was surprised that in Minneapolis was so many Muslim. Enclaves in Minneapolis, and they're troublesome. Well, there we go. And look, I've been to Muslim countries: um, Afghanistan, Pakistan, India. Is a lot of Muslims in India, mostly, but um, actually, they're very nice people. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. And they're more kind and gracious than Americans a lot of times. I thought, but when you come into another culture, you have the problem of assimilation. Do you assimilate or do you hold your culture? Or do you practice your t cultural traditions and try to keep them going? I mean, statistics say, now I don't know if they're right or not, the st st statistics say when you get more than 10% of one one group into uh, into in a country, they start taking over and before you know it, it's all that group and... Which culture is that? Any any culture, if if there becomes more than ten percent of uh, Christians, well then uh, I mean Christians, I mean Muslims, then they're going to start taking over because they're able to vote in the things that they want, which are not what necessarily what what uh, America is all about, you know. And it, well, it's it's almost like before we get off of it, so let right. me tell you what I think about people coming across the border. I think they should shoot them. Well, that's pretty rough, man. You, really, it's rough. you don't want to shoot people. Really. Why not? Not, if not you're, really. If you, you're telling, putting words in my mouth, I'm well, telling you they I'm should just, shoot them. I'm, what if it's a woman and a ch child? You couldn't do that. Come on. If a guy, if a guy, well, for one thing, you could start with guys carrying. Uh, when they start coming over the wall, physically coming over the wall, you shoot them coming over the wall. Well, <laughs> the woman know. with her kid is not coming over that forty foot. They go underneath it. But they go all yeah. underneath it. You don't belong in this country. They should have. A, they should do more than just what they're doing. Just uh, apprehending them. It costs us thousands of dollars to apprehend them and put them on an airplane or a train or whatever and send them back to Mexico and then they come back again. Hey, you're getting kind of loud, Augie. Drop it. Drop it. Drop it. Drop it. Drop it. All right. So okay. your name is Molly Malloy. My name is Molly Malloy. I asked my friend Molly to help me out on this story because she's an expert on the U.S.-Mexico border. She drove over to the park from Las Cruces, New Mexico. I'm the border and Latin American specialist at New Mexico State University Library. Molly said people have always come across the border illegally, but things changed dramatically with the passage of the North American Free Trade Agreement. With the passage of NAFTA back in 1993-94, Many, many commodities, many things that were produced in Mexico became cheaper to buy in the U.S. 
than Mexican farmers and producers could make them in Mexico. Meaning it was cheaper for Mexico to buy corn from the United States than to grow corn in the heart of where corn was created by human beings in Mesoamerica thousands of years ago. And so many of these farmers lost their land and lost the ability to, to take care of their families. And many of them moved up to the border region where factories, assembly plants called maquiladoras, were being established very rapidly to manufacture parts of, of things that would then be shipped across the border to be put into all kinds of other products. Like a lot of the maquiladora development in, in Juarez makes components for, for cars or components for appliances. But the salaries paid for mano de obra, for the, the work of these people in the factories, has never been a living wage. And it was never designed to be a living wage. The money people get paid is basically about ranges between $40 and $70 a week. No one can live on $50 a week. I think really that that economic imbalance is what has created a lot of the insecurity and, and violence that is always in the literature attributed to drug cartels because it's an alternative economy in a place where people can't make, most people can't make a good living in the official economy. And so lots and lots of people are employed making factory goods for $50 a week, but a lot of people are also employed in the drug business because there are many different jobs in the drug business. Sometimes they employ a 10-year-old kid just to stand on a street corner. And so because they buy and sell drugs, they're involved in an illegal business. And the illegal business puts people in, at risk at all levels. You're at risk if you use drugs. You're at risk if you buy drugs. You're at risk if you sell drugs because you have to hook up with the people who are controlling trying to control the business, both inside the city and the cross-border business, to sell the drugs in the U.S. And those people are criminals. And they're also police, and they're also possibly government officials that are paid to make sure the business runs smoothly. You know, depending on how powerful the criminal organization is, it has the economic power to, to negotiate deals with, you know, the president of Mexico. The drug business, money generated from illegal drugs in Mexico, is said to be possibly $50 billion a year, which is a, about a, that makes it maybe second or third in the Mexican economy. First being the oil business, second possibly being remittances, money paid by Money sent back to Mexico by people working in the U.S. and um, then the, the drug business. All right, let's talk about just the immigration. Do you know the numbers there? How many people are coming across the border now as compared to other years? It's way down. Huh. In general, immigration across the southern border is way down from what it was in the early 2000s. And at that time, that was one of the highest points in immigration, especially from Mexico. Most of the people coming were from Mexico. 
And they were, they were coming by the hundreds of thousands every year. So yeah, it, but it's way down from that. And it's down for a couple of reasons. First of all, border enforcement, meaning fences, walls, uh, electronic security, personnel, boots on the ground, as they like to say in the Border Patrol, have been expanding very, very rapidly since 2006, especially. That's, that's when President Bush really started beefing up the building of, of physical barriers along the border. Um, Do they work? They work to a certain extent. They certainly change the places where people try to cross. They move people around huh. to different unsecured places. But there's another feature. The other big thing that helped to reduce immigration, especially from Mexico, is what happened to our economy in 2008. In other words, the jobs disappeared. A lot of jobs disappeared. And so people were no, no longer willing to take even a higher risk to get around all these boundaries. But anyway, the other thing that happens okay. is that the Mexican economy has been improving in some areas. Mexico's not a poor country anymore. In terms of GDP, Mexico's pretty it's a middle-income country, and so there are more jobs available. And the situation for undocumented workers in the U.S. has gotten sufficiently worse that many Mexican people have gone back. Not, not just the deportees, but people are choosing to, to return to Mexico and to try to make it there. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing, because I think people, if they've lived in the U.S. and worked for... $100 a day for many years, as many construction workers would. Um, if they go back to work in Mexico for uh, $10 a day, they're not going to be satisfied. And, and I think they, they will work to change their country. There's obviously not room in the United States for all the struggling people of the world. They need to struggle together to fix their own countries. But that's easy to make a slogan out of. And fucking difficult to do. Just next to Big Bend National Park to the west is Big Bend Ranch State Park, Texas State Park, where there are campgrounds right along the Rio Grande, a stone's throw from Mexico. Well, could you tell me your name and where we are right, right now? Uh, yeah, I'm Eric Schlaughter, and we are at uh, Big Bend State Park, the uh, Madera campground. Where are you from? San Antonio. So you're here with your wife and two daughters? Three daughters, yeah. Three daughters? Yeah. Just camping out? Yeah. You're not worried about people coming across, like no. migrants coming across? No. I mean, it feels absolutely safe. So what do you think about the proposal to build a wall along, like, specifically through here? I think it's insane. I mean, um, it, I don't think it'll ever happen. There's no way... We would allow that, I don't think. Um, you mean Texans? Yeah. Just, you know, in our park. I mean, it's just... Sorry, there's got to be another way. I hope. I mean, my God. Think how horrible that would be if <laughs> we saw a 30-plus foot wall running through there. 
In between Big Bend National Park and Big Bend State Park is the ghost town of Terlingua. In the 1800s, there was a mercury mine, and 2,000 people lived here. But now the population is less than 200. Older people with Winnebago's, musicians who play at the bar for tourists. The town has the feel of a hideout. Okay, well, first, could you tell me your name? Yeah, my name is Richard Quick, and I'm a resident here in Terlingua. Quick? Q-U-I-C-K, like fast. All right. So I asked you what you thought of the wall, and you said... I said we don't need a wall. There should not be a wall down here. And I said Trump is insane. I don't think... I, I can tell already after just five or six weeks that he's been in office, he's the worst president in my lifetime, and I'm 56 years old, and I campaigned for Richard M. Nixon in 1968. So specifically, why do you think he's insane? Uh, for instance, his tweets accusing the former president of spying on him. Um, causing international incidents with our allies by saying that we don't need NATO anymore, that we should abandon our allies and our treaties with our allies. These are not rational decisions. So are you afraid of the people coming across the border? No, they're neighbors here. How long long have you lived? I've lived here for nine years now. Uh Nine years, and I have never seen a problem with criminals coming across the border to rape women or, or break into houses. I, I don't see this stuff happening. They haven't been breaking? There's... Once in a while, you get some coyotes that will come through leading a, a group of migrants that were looking for jobs, and they'll stop in at an abandoned hunting cabin or someplace, and they'll take shoes or food and water. That's been reported a couple times in nine years, but... Most people out here that know that this is happening, they leave food and water out so nobody comes in. Just leave a bin outside your door with some food and water in there and say, if you need something, help yourself, and they'll leave your stuff alone. So do you see coyotes leading people through here? No, I've never seen seen this. I've heard it. I've heard reports three times in nine years. You've seen something? Heard reports three times in nine years. Never seen an illegal Mexican here that was crossing the border up north. The, the, the terrain down here is too rough, the climate's too too tough to, to really make an effective way for people to migrate across here. This is not a, an area where lots of people are crossing. You might have other areas where the border is more permeable, near cities or places where there's better transportation, but out here they cross the border, there's nothing here. Why do you like living in this area? I like living in this area because the air is clean. Um, there's not a lot of noise pollution here. Um, and I do uh, high-energy physics research. I own a physics laboratory up in the backside of Rattlesnake Ridge, and it causes problems with people's uh, satellite, cable television, and Internet access. Uh, so I run up there, and I don't cause anybody any problems. What, you got some kind of Tesla exactly thing right. going? I have a Tesla laboratory up really? there. Yes, I do. You have a Tesla laboratory at your house? <laughs> My house is a Tesla laboratory. <laughs> it's true. There's an official border crossing into Mexico near the parks at the town of Presidio, Texas, population 5,000. A high bridge goes over the river, a lot of concrete barriers and razor wire, security cameras, customs checkpoints. On the Mexico side is the small city of Ojinaga, Chihuahua, population 23,000. People have lived here on both sides of the river for at least 800 years. Driving into town, 
we saw three young guys walking down the street, and Molly said they didn't look like Mexicans, that maybe they might be trying to cross into the U.S., and she was right. Okay, so you're from Cuba? Yeah. And you're from Honduras? Honduras, hey. And you're from Belize? Belize, yeah. And how long have you known each other? ¿Cuánto tiempo se han conocido? Tenemos five years. Cinco años? Sí. You three of you. Los tres? Viajando juntos? Cinco años? Sí. Wow, okay. So we met each other quite a long time ago, crossing the borders together after leaving our country. And we've been sent back before, and then we've gotten together to try to cross again. How old are you guys? ¿Cuántos años tiene usted? Yo tengo 15 años. The, he's 15? 17. 17? 29. And have you been to the United States before? No. No, ni uno, ni uno, pero ojalá que esta vaya a ser la primera vez y y que podamos ver a alguien más pues para poder ayudar a la familia porque allá están aguantando hambre pues en Honduras sí tiene familia en Estados Unidos sí pero de nada sirve porque no me apoyan okay I do have some family in in the United States but they they don't really do me much good they don't they don't help me out um, so and my family in Honduras is really hungry so he has the desire to go to the United States so he can help his family at home so could you tell us a little bit about where you come from, what it's like at home? What's yo, it like where you live? Yo soy de San Pedro Sula. I'm from the town of San Pedro Sula in Honduras. ¿Y qué más me está pidiendo que ir ahí? ¿Hm? ¿Qué más tengo que decir ahí? Algo acerca de de dónde viene, por qué saliste. Bueno, ah, es que yo vengo de San Pedro Sula, pues, y salí porque I had to get out of there because the, the gangs are really strong there and they were looking for me. Why were they looking for you? Porque te estaba buscando los, los pandillas. Este, porque ya había cumplido 13 años y ya desde los 13 años uno ya, piensa, ya tiene mentalidad pues de, de cómo va a ser las cosas pues. Y entonces ellos quieren que todos los de, los de ahí, del, los de, de ahí del barrio, que, que uno se una a ellos pues. Okay, so once you get to be about 13, and you're considered, you know, grown up, you can do things on your own, everybody's expected to join the gang. They want you to join up with them and, and, and work with them. No, es que si, si uno no se une a ellos, pues lo van a matar, pues. If you don't join them, they kill you. Y, y tú? Yo soy de San Jose, Cuba. From San Jose, Cuba. Ahí es, como aquí, no hay pandilla. More or less like here in, in Mexico, there's really not a lot of crime or, or, um, or gang activity there. I'm trying to go to join up with my mother in the United States. Where is she? Donde vive? Vive en Nueva Jersey. She's in New, New Jersey. Do you know wow. how you're going to get to New Jersey? If you get across the border, how will you get to New Jersey? ¿Cómo va a llegar a New Jersey? Con la ayuda de Dios. <laughs> with the help of God. You too. Me, me from Belize. You can speak English, please. Speak English. English? Yeah, yeah. Yo me from Belize to me, boy. So, my God, no trouble to me, boy. 
So much trouble from some people the gangster boy, you know. Mira, yo no quiero, yo no quiero hablar de eso. No quiero hablar de eso porque 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 es un problema muy grande. Yo tuve problema con otros muchachos que yo peleé con ellos. There's a I got in trouble with some other uh, guys and um, I've been fighting with them and and so I really don't want to talk about it. I'm in I'm in trouble. Grande, eso, they're big trouble, yeah. You know, entonces por eso yo me vine para acá a buscar otra nueva vida, me. So I came here to uh, to get to try to find a new life. Do you guys know how you're going to get across? You don't have to tell me, but do you guys have an idea how you're going to get across? Sí, es que es que primeramente yo sí, pues. Hay que caminar por la otra montaña, mami. Hay que caminar por todo el desierto. We gotta cross the desert. We gotta we gotta cross. You know, in the place where, just through the mountains. Do you have navigation? Do you have GPS on your phones? Tienen GPS para guiarlos? No. No, nada. Solo ahí con lo que decía Dios, pues, y... Nosotros vamos como va el aire. We go like the air. Could you introduce yourself? Así es. Mi nombre es Martín Sánchez Valles y soy el presidente municipal de Ojinaga, Chihuahua. Estamos aquí en el Palacio Municipal. My name is Martín Sánchez. I'm the municipal president or the mayor here in Ojinaga. And we're here sitting in front of the, um, the government building, uh, the main government building here in Ojinaga. Hoy es miércoles y los miércoles su servidor, desde que tomó posesión en el gobierno municipal, designamos un día para dar atención ciudadana, para so, estar de cerca de los gobernados. So today is Wednesday, and every Wednesday since I've been mayor, we open up the, the government building for all the citizens to come and talk to their elected officials about, about what they need, what they want, about how things are going. It's an open day for communication with the people. Eh, la mayor parte de los que se acercan a mí solicitan apoyos para mejoramiento de viviendas. The most people that come and talk to me are looking for help to improve their homes, their, their, their houses, home improvements, like physical improvements to the places they live. Because this story is about what people think about the wall, I was wondering, what do you think about the proposal to build a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border? Entonces, pues yo entiendo y respeto las decisiones americanas. No me gusta, no estoy de acuerdo. Nos agreden, nos ofenden como mexicanos. I respect the decisions of the American people, but I don't like this idea of a wall. It's offensive to us as Mexican people. It's aggressive. It's it's um it's offensive, and I'm I'm not I'm not in agreement with it. At the same time, respecting the decisions that the American people made. Aquí en lo local. In lo local, in this in este municipio. In this local place. Okay. Presidio necesita más Ojinaga que Ojinaga Presidio. In in this place where we are on this border crossing, Presidio needs Ojinaga a lot more than Ojinaga needs Presidio. Por qué? Porque la economía es mejor aquí que que allá. Because the economy here in Ojinaga is is better than in Presidio. What would you do if you were president of the United States? Pues buscar cómo mantener una relación armónica. I would look to maintain a harmonious relationship between our countries.
Another place to cross over into Mexico is inside Big Bend National Park itself. So we're at the Rio Grande River, the crossing from uh, Big Bend National Park to the small town of Boquillas. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And the river here is about 30 yards wide, perhaps. And there's a guy with a, a boat, metal boat, waiting to row us across. Anyway, we're going to cross here. Hey, can I, I'm a radio producer. I'm working on a story. Es un productor de radio y estamos preguntando a gente de los dos lados qué piensan del muro de Donald Trump. Muro propuesto. No, no tenemos, no, nosotros no podemos hacer nada ni decir nada porque no vale la palabra de nosotros. No quieren los mexicanos en primer lugar. It's like we Mexicans. We, it doesn't matter what we say because our word isn't really listened to. It doesn't matter. Porque he visto los reportajes en las noticias donde está aventando cientos y miles de personas mexicanas para pa México. Because I've been seeing on the news these hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Mexicans who are being deported from the United States, people just like me. What would it be like if there was a wall along here? Ni me lo imagino cómo puede hacer el muro, no sé. I can't even imagine how they would do it here. Okay. Aquí en esa tierra. Este es un parque. He says, so this is a park over y este here. Naturales protegidas. This is also a natural protected area over there in Mexico. Y lo tenemos muchas aves que emigran. There are many birds that migrate. Mucho venado. Uh, other animals like deer. Oso. Bears. Uh, jabalines, chivos y marrón. Y tenemos a leones y todo que cruzan de, de la Sierra del Carmen also, a, la, a la Sierra de Chisos Mountains. So. Jaguars that cross from the Sierra del Carmen over here to the Chisos Mountains. So, si, si ponen el muro, esos animales no van a tomar agua del río porque no hay otra parte donde tomen agua más if, que el río. If they put up a wall, then where are these animals going to drink? Because the river is the only water. That's all I can say. Adrian. The boatman's name was Adrian. He rowed us across the river, and we walked the half mile into Boquias, a village with a few restaurants, cantinas, and some souvenir shops. Pancho Villa used to hide out in the mountains nearby, either before or after he and a hundred soldiers attacked Columbus, New Mexico in 1916. More recently, at least up to 9-11, the people of Boquillas would cross into the United States freely and peacefully in order to shop or visit their families in Alpine, Texas, 80 miles to the north. But after 9-11, the crossing was closed, nobody coming in or going out, and the town was pretty much abandoned up until 2013 when the crossing was opened again for tourism, people crossing over from the park. The people of Boquillas, however, aren't allowed to cross over and drive up to Alpine without a visa. We spoke with Senor Luna, 88 years old, who said he lived near Alpine for 25 years. Sí, yo viví 25 años allí en esa, en esa compañía, pero hubo un problema que yo tenía mis hijos y mi familia allá, ¿verdad? He's got family and, and children and stuff there, but he had a problem. Entonces, en un baile, andaba un, un muchacho mío que tenía 22 años. 
I was at a dance, and, and at this dance was also one of my sons who was about 22 years old. Y él estaba bailando con la señorita, ¿no? He was dancing with a young girl. Y otro hombre que quería a la señorita, y la señorita no quería ir con él, quería venir con mi chamaco. So, so this other guy who liked the girl, um, he wanted to be with the girl, but the girl liked the other guy better. Entonces yo creo él se enojó y sacó una pistola y mató a mi hijo. Entonces yo tengo un hermano ahí. Entonces yo fui dos veces a buscar el hombre que mató a mi hijo a la casa. Pero mi hermano, él supo y me dijo que mejor me viniera para acá. Y, So his brother knew the guy and knew, you know, that something bad would happen. And basically, he told this guy it'd be better if he just left and went back to Mexico, not fight about it. Y por eso estoy aquí. And that's why I'm here now. If you wanted to go see your family in the United States, could you do it right now? Sí. How would you do it? Como hacen para cruzar. El que conoce el terreno, yo de aquí donde estoy, de mi rancho. He ido a Odessa. Ah, sí. He says, if you know the land, if you know the, the territory, you can do it. I've gone from my little ranch over here all the way to Odessa, Texas. qué tantos días hicimos? Dos, a pie. Nomás con la mochila y poquita agua y comida. ¿Caminando? Sí, 17 días. Okay, I went with just a little backpack and water, and it took us about 16 days walking. So, aquí en Estados Unidos como Maratón, Forest Acton, Alpine, Marfa, uh, Presidio, Texas y México. Yo puedo andar a caballo porque yo conozco todo el mundo. It's like all of these little towns over in Texas, Presidio, Marathon, Marfa, Alpine, Fort Stockton. I know all of those places and I can go there on horseback if I want. Really? Horseback? Y en los ranchos donde yo llego, allí me conocen, son amigos míos los, los patrones del rancho, porque yo he trabajado con ellos. Okay, so there are many of the bosses of these ranches over on the other side that I know, because I work there, and, and, you know, they're all like my friends. On the others, on the, what's this? Nomás me voy a cuidar de un federal o de el avión de ley. Pero de los ranchos y los vaqueros no me voy a cuidar. Yo like llevo. The law, the federal agents or something in the United States might bother me, but the people on the ranches know, because they're my friends. So what do you think of the wall, the wall that Trump wants to build along the border? Pues para mí es una tontera. For me that's a, a foolish thing. Porque, pero no va a haber. But it's not going to happen. No va a haber beneficio para México ni para Estados Unidos con not, ese muro. It's not, this wall is not going to benefit either the United States or Mexico. Porque va a costar mucho dinero. It's going to cost a whole lot of money. Y ese dinero lo van a comprar de material o de cemento. Y los mexicanos como quiera van y vienen y americanos pasan para acá y todo. But they're going to spend all this money on cement and all the different material to build the wall, and the Mexicans are still going to come and go, and the U.S. people are still going to come and go. ¿Cómo se llama? Yo. 
Joaquín Sánchez Luna. Named after the moon. Thank you very much. Perhaps the coolest place in the park, both figuratively and literally, is where the Rio Grande flows out of Santa Elena's canyon. It's called a canyon, but it's more like a slit, a very narrow opening in a 1,500-foot-high escarpment of limestone. In the afternoon, the air moves down the canyon following the river and comes out cool and slightly humid, a natural air conditioner and there's lots of shade from the 1,500-foot-high wall. Standing there, I had to keep reminding myself the wall on one side of the canyon is Mexico, and the wall on the other side is the United States. It looks very much like one place, not two. The big bend of the Rio Grande is not a scary place. The people who live here don't need or want a wall. They're not afraid of the people on the other side. When you look at the border on a map, it's very clear. There's us and then there's them. But when you stand next to the river, the border disappears. I'd like to thank Elise Peppel and Marfa Public Radio for inviting me to Texas. I'd also like to thank Molly Malloy from the New Mexico State University Library in Las Cruces and Charles Bowden from Beyond the Grave before he died a couple of years ago, he wrote a book about the wall. He called it Jericho. It'll be published next year by the University of Texas Press. Thanks to Lisa Miller and Jesse Carrier. If you want, check out our website, homebrave.com, for photos of the river and the park. Also, there are buttons there that you can push to donate or subscribe to this podcast. You can buy T-shirts and patches and tote bags. They're really cool. Thanks for listening.